Hey everybody, Kent Pound here, and I've got something special for you this holiday season. It's the Black Friday through Cyber Monday sale for The Stupid History Book. This book isn't your typical history read. It's all about the surprising stories behind everyday items. Discover the quirky history of things that you use daily so that you can jingle all the way. It's the perfect gift for that hard-to-buy-for family member that likes to sound smarter than they actually are. So don't wait. This offer is available for a limited time, Black Friday through Cyber Monday. So grab your copy of the Stupid History book at stupidhistory.net. It's history like you've never read before. Welcome to Unfiltered Studios, your one-stop destination for a diverse range of podcasts that cater to every interest. Join St. Joe on Nailed It as he explores the fascinating times of the 80s and 90s. Find solace in the advice of a mother on Petals of Support. Dive deep into intriguing interviews on The Sleevy G Show. Catch up with the latest in sports on Unfiltered Sports Weekly. Connect with your spiritual side on finding your way. Achieve mental wellness with hypno-wellness. Never forget the history of everyday items with the Stupid History Minute. Understand how we've become the people we are today on how to be less of an asshole and gather with fellow movie enthusiasts on Movie Lovers Unite. Your journey into the world of podcasts begins here at Unfiltered Studios. Subscribe now and join the podcasting revolution. Unfiltered Studios, where every voice finds its place. Visit unfpod.com for more information. Welcome to the show. So with me, I have my good friend Beth from the Made for Movie TV podcast with me. We're going to be reviewing planes, trains, and automobiles. So get going ahead. Book your flight. It may get canceled. It may not get canceled. You might end up like Steve Martin, but who knows what the possibilities are. Grab your friend that you don't know. Go to a hotel and book a room with that stranger and then spoon a little bit. Maybe not. But anyways, go on ahead. Ride on some planes, trains, and automobiles. And let's go on ahead. Let's get this party started. And hey, Beth, how are you? Hi, John. I'm great. Thanks for having me on again. I'm so excited to talk about this one. Very welcome. And it's always great to actually have you on here to talk about another John Hughes movie, another 80s movie. I know. And stuff like that. What are we going to do when we run out of 80 of John Hughes movies? I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself because we have John Candy. This is our second John Candy movie that we reviewed together. Yes, we did um, the Great Outdoor. Was it the Great Outdoors? Yeah. Right, that was uh, that was in June. I think we did that one, or July, yeah. a couple months July. ago. But now we're into the winter season. So, and then of course, I was also thinking of Thanksgiving Day movies because there's a crap ton of Christmas movies. I'm like, well, let me look at the catalog of what they have for Thanksgiving Day movies to review. Son-in-law was on there. Home for the ho- um, I'll be home for no no um, home for the holidays, and then there was this oh, one. Yeah. So, yeah. so people, there was actually a split on my YouTube uh, community tab where it was between this one and son-in-law. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just doing both. Yeah, good for you. 
That's the way to go. Next year, I got an idea for one for next year. There's a movie that um, Katie Holmes did called Pieces of April. And it's about her family coming to her house for Thanksgiving. And it's just a strange little movie that I don't know that a lot of people have seen. But it's a good one. We'll have to talk about it next year. But let's talk about John Candy. Yes, let's do this. So before we get dive into this, I just want to let you everybody know that we are part of Unfiltered Studios. And matter of fact, if you're into hypnosis and stuff like that, get your hypnosis on with Hypno Wellness. And then, of course, you also have the Sleepy G Show that was on with me with the Sleepy, uh, with uh, Son-in-Law. So those are just a select few from the uh from the podcast itself. So let's go on ahead. Let's dive into plane, trains, and automobiles. I'm so excited. I I just, I can't stand how much I love this movie. And you said you hadn't even seen it all the way through. And I no. hadn't, I haven't seen it all the way through since I saw it in the movie theater when it came out. So it, I don't know that I've seen it all the way through since then, but I've seen pieces of it since then until yesterday when I watched it. Yeah. Right. You see, I've seen it in chunks, like, it was like on TNT or TBS or something oh, like yeah. that, right? Yeah. And that was it. I haven't seen it like sitting down, getting to watch it. All I remember was John Candy riding in the car and he's smoking a cigarette. He tosses it out and he accidentally gets the car on fire. <laughs> then that was like the extent to it. And I also thought for some reason the rims, he did something with the rims and the rims got caught on fire too. But I was probably thinking of another of National Lampoon's vacation or something. Probably. Yeah, there, there, you're, you know, now that you say that, there, I know what you're talking about and I can't think of it off the top of my head because I can't remember anything. But I know what you're talking about, which scene you're talking about. It wasn't this one, it wasn't no. this movie, but I know. I'll have to think of it. So let's go ahead. Let's go to it by scene by scene. So Neil sure. Page is an advertising executive on a business trip. In New York City, eager to return to his family in Chicago for Thanksgiving, which is in two days' time. After attending an exclusive business meeting, Neil struggles to hail a cab during a rush hour. So that's the scene one of the opening. And you get this sense of who Neil is. He's an advertiser. He's also kind of bored with this whole entire meeting. He just wants to get home to his wife and kids, but he's held up with this meeting. And it seems like this is actually kind of like one of those type of deals where Basically, being back in school again, waiting for three o'clock to roll over for the alarm to uh, ring so the way they can be released. But instead, this executive is over there looking at this advertising thing and holding them hostage, basically, until they give yeah. them the okay. Yeah, I'm it, like, that's it, such a douche move. I know it was, and it, but it, it was weird because first of all, I don't know if you noticed it. I actually looked at the time. There was two minutes of no dialogue, yeah. which, which is a pretty long time, and you kind of get the sense that Neil is like doesn't really care that much he's like it's just advertising it's you know what i mean like he actually says something to that effect when he leaves the meeting like this this is silly why are we spending all this time here on on an ad right and also too he's like i gotta go i have yeah. a plane to catch at six o'clock and he tells his partner who happens to be the same uh father figure that played in ferris bueller's day off who yes Pierce's uh, father. But, you know, I, I actually agree with him. That was just a lot of time wasted for him to be there. But I also feel like we as an audience also feel like, okay, this needs to pick up because of the fact that there's two minutes of no dialogue and we're stuck here, just like how he's stuck in here with him. So that's yeah. how I feel like we're stuck in there in that same situation with him and we just want to get going. Exactly. I, I get that. And I also think that it kind of also way that they filmed it, like with that two minutes ramped up how you can see, so, you know, Steve Martin is great at playing like the very anxiety ridden kind of character. And that kind of two minutes where he's like trying to tell his boss or his coworker quietly, I got a pain to catch really ramps that up. So you kind of jump right into the character. 
And I thought that was really clever. I mean, I think, you know, you know, I love John Hughes and I think he did so many smart and clever things in his in his work. This might have been his first adult movie like right. it was. So it's mostly when you think of John Hughes, he's always working with kids. He's never right. really working with the adults. In this. Right. And I think that so now I'm pretty sure National Lampoon's Vacation came out earlier, but there were still kids in that movie. This is the first time. And if you think about this movie, it focuses so much only on John Candy and Steve Martin. They're really the only people in this movie, except for cameos are in it around them, which right. is a lot to, to it's a lot to carry as a film, as a as an actor. Of course, they did brilliant jobs because they're both brilliant actors. Had to carefully, carefully um, weigh who he was going to put in these this film because so much rides on just their performances. Exactly. And I think that he knew what he was getting whenever you cast Don Candy and Steve Martin. And I wouldn't be surprised if this movie came out after Uncle Buck and all that. The point yeah. where he trusts John uh, Candy a lot. That's a good question. I'm not I'm not sure. But I mean, obviously, he had a great rapport with John Candy. And they were huge. They were f so famous at this point. Both of them were. So it's great that he wrote this film that they did such a good job in because it really was a turning point for everybody's career at this point, even though John Candy and Steve Martin were already huge stars at this point. Right. And matter of fact, um, Uncle Buck came out two years after this. Oh, so it was Project. after this. Okay. Yeah, okay. that makes sense. That does make sense that that happened, that it worked out that way. And he, I think that John Hughes and John Candy worked w really well together. And I think this, fil this film, John Candy with the facial expressions is so amazing. You know, just when he's trying to be silly, but more so when he's trying to just be heartfelt. Oh, I don't even want to. When you we up. get to the end, I might cry just, talk, uh, just talking about it. But at any rate, so let's talk about the cameo at the cab. Did you pick that yeah, up? Yeah, it was Kevin Bacon. Yeah. And I was like, and my first initial thought was this. How much did they pay him to do that small cameo? I was, like, again, is, he was, right. I was like, is that Kevin Bacon? That looks like Kevin Bacon. And I actually <laughs> like had to look it up because I was like, ah. and then I'm like, that's all he's in this movie. But I looked, did you look on IMDb? It turns out that, so he was starring in, I knew this, she's having a baby. That was another, I, that was a movie I didn't didn't love maybe as an adult I might and so it turns out that he was doing the cameo on this because but she's having a baby haven't come out yet and I think either Steve Martin or John Candy did a cameo in she's having a baby but I haven't seen that one in so long so I think that's kind of how that worked oh it's you know I didn't like it when I was a teenager but I don't think it was a bad film. I just don't think it was. It was about a couple having a baby that wouldn't have interested me at all when I was 15, you know? I gotcha. <laughs> but, but you know what, though? Seeing that cameo of Kevin Bacon, it just surprised me. And then it could have just been where basically this cameo keeps on showing up in every single awkward situation that John Candy's at and Steve Martin's at. Right. But it doesn't. Yeah. It just leaves him that just leaves the whole entire fact is he was the guy who got the cab before Neil got there. And that was it. And now Neil has to heal for another cab and he winds up asking this paying this guy 50 or $70 for a cab. I'm trying to bribe him. And finally he gets him to change his mind. And then that's when you see John Candy's character accidentally take the cab from him, but not even realizing that he took the cab from Neil or right, anything. Right. And, and he, and he yeah. just saw that big trunk. John Candy's Dell had, his name is Dell in the, in the movie has this right. big giant trunk trunk and all you see is that driving away in, in the back of the cab because it's so big that he can't even close the the trunk of the exactly. car there's the trunk there's 
there's Dell's trunk, and then there's the trunk of the car. Right, and all he sees is just the tail of the cab going away, and then the and the trunk basically just popping out of the trunk itself, and that's it, and that's all he remembers. Yeah, he's like, well, what the hell is going on? So then you wind up having the other scene play out where basically uh when he gets gets one it is definitely taken instead by deal in a lucrative traveling salesman who sells shower curtain rings. neil and deal across the pass again at the airport where they uh where they board uh plane to o'hara so i like how they go on the airplane and of course you know neil doesn't even realize deal is even there until he's actually sitting across from him in the waiting area just just wait don't I know you? I think I know you. I think I know a face if I'd seen one. And no, Dale's like, I'm pretty sure you never see me. And Dale is going, yeah, I think I've seen you. I think I know you. And then all of a sudden he looks at him and he goes, wait, you're the guy who took my cat. Sir, I do not know what you're talking about. I've never stolen anything in my life. And he goes, yeah, you stole my damn cat. And he's like, no. And then he goes, wait. Okay, so that I thought it was kind of funny. I managed to get a cab during rush, which is really hard to do. I didn't even. He goes, "Oh my god, I am so sorry." So it was a whole misunderstanding. It wasn't done purposely. He just accidentally took his ride. Yeah, that that was so funny when he's like, "I don't know." And and the other thing I thought was really funny is like you kind of see um, John Candy's character because you didn't before. I mean, I think briefly you saw his face like when he ran up to the cab, but I, I don't know. It wasn't enough. Yeah, but you see, he's um, got this crazy curly permed hair. Like a total weird 80s thing. And I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> right? I, I remember that. But you know what, though? You are right, though. He does run out. Neil does run after the cab. He opens the door. Then John Candy just looks at him. Neil just looks at Neil. He's like, what the hell is this guy doing? And he shuts the door on, yeah. on Neil. But yeah. that's how he realized, oh, wait, that's actually uh, now I know where I know you from. Yes. But it... it it was funny. I mean, I think I thought that scene was good in the airport. It set up the the kind of the rest of the it set up the contentiousness between. Well, I guess Neil is more contentious towards Dell, and Dell is just you kind of see he's kind of a laid back dude. He's not a he's not a bad guy. He, he didn't really steal the cab. It, he it was an accident. Misunderstanding. I mean, right, and the and the cab driver got out and ha- helped him put the trunk in. So the cab driver knew he could have said hey you're stealing a cab but he didn't care he just wanted to get on with his day right he just wanted that fear and that was it he's right. just there for a job and that's exactly. it. it doesn't matter who gets in the car as long as somebody's in there no but, but he was abused a little bit by the uh bickering between neil and the guy who wanted the cab <laughs> right and then there, then there's also this whole entire thing at the airport he goes let me buy you a hot dog no i don't want a hot dog uh let me make but beer no soda no he goes Okay, then. Never mind. So then they get on the uh, airplane and then Neil finds out that he's actually been bumped over to coach instead of first class. And then he's like, oh, first you guys bumped me. And after that, you guys wind up uh, making the, now there's a delay. Now there's something else going on. Because I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. Next thing you know, he's next to deal. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the little old man next to him in the window seat falls asleep on his shoulder. And then Dell falls asleep on his shoulder. And he's just kind of like, you know, he's got that sort of Steve Martin irritated face. <laughs> right. And he's like, great. And then you have D- deal taking off his shoes. He goes, oh, the, oh. the dogs are barking. Oh, like, don't take your shoes off in the airplane. That was gross. And then we find out that they can't go to Chicago, John. No, because otherwise, 
we wouldn't have a movie. A <laughs> exactly. So they end up in Wichita and he calls his wife and his wife is like, what are you, what are you doing? And why are you in Wichita? And he's like, well, you know, I got on a plane to come to Chicago and here I am in Wichita. And she goes, wait, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. And he's confused. calling her in the middle of the night, but I'm like, I was like, does she think that he's cheating on her or something? But then I'm realizing, oh, wait, it's in the middle of the night. She's not. All yeah. And I, and I probably, I mean, I thought about this too, and I don't remember thinking about it the last time, but I think maybe before cell phones, we weren't as urgently calling and in, in contact with people. Although I still would have been a little worried about the lack of contact he kind of had with her over the course of the movie. But like, I don't know. I just thought that was maybe something that wasn't as big of an issue back then, especially if he's on the road a lot. Although we didn't get that sense, but you never know. I mean, obviously he has to go to New York for clients or whatever. Exactly. But after that, then you wind up having him go over to where deal is. Because so, any luck with hotels? He goes, no, everything is booked. He goes, well, I managed to get a uh, hotel. Like we're over there calling your wife. I managed to get a hotel. So one, two, we can go ahead. And I know this guy because I actually sold him some rings. <laughs> and, you know, he'll give us a deal. He's like, okay, that sounds good. And then he, they get a ride to the tap with this taxi driver and it will happens to be like this stripper type of taxi kind of party <laughs> taxi cab. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, I just love that. It's like, I know a guy, I know a guy sold him shower curtains and then just kind of all weird antics happen. And then he's like, um, cause we're supposed to go to the interstate. He goes, no, he goes, I thought you would want to see the rest of this country. And, and Neil's like all in for it. He's like, yeah, this, you know what? You don't get stuff like this all the time. People are so mean nowadays. I'm like, it's <laughs> like, okay, I'll, I'll slot about it. So the, then finally they arrive at the hotel. And so episode B, they get there. And now they have to bunk and ha be in the same hotel room. Yes. But I, I thought that was clever how they kind of did that too. They like walked into the room and you could see it was just like a double, maybe a queen size bed, small bed. And they kind of like ignore the fact that there's like one bed in this room. And John Candy and then... Dell says, do you want to take a shower? <laughs> Neil's like, no. <laughs> and John is like, oh, no, I was, I mean, I just said, do you want to take one before me? <laughs> not, not together. <laughs> uh, I just thought that was funny because they're like, oh, oh, okay. I'm misunderstanding. <laughs> right? Because even Neil's like, no, I've already done enough with you already. Now I have to share him. <laughs> the other thing I thought was funny that you don't see ever in a movie today is John Candy smoking in a hotel room. That actually used to be a thing people did back in the day. Right. So he's just smoking and, and then he puts a quarter in the bed, you know, for the, the what are they called? Massager, yeah. And uh, Neil's in the shower and the water stops. And, or he looks up at the shower curtain holder, the shower curtain rings too. And he's like, oh. And then the, the water stops and he's like freaking out. Dell's not doing anything. He's smoking, maybe having some beers or whatever he was doing. And then he finally finishes his shower and all the towels are on the floor and soaking wet. So he only has a little washcloth to, to, <laughs> to lather dry himself up with. <laughs> Then he accidentally grabs Deal's underwear and... <laughs> It just was so silly. It was so funny. And it at was. this point, they're not friends. <laughs> oh, right now, Neil finds him the most annoying person that he's ever met in his life. Especially when he said, oh, I, I can't stand out of mouth. Don't worry. I won't, I'll make sure I don't talk. And that's whenever they were on the airplane. And he winds up basically getting a room with the most annoying person that he can't stand because he can't stand mouth. 
right. and we always have that situation where we can't stand the person that we're sitting next to because they're annoying us. Yeah, that's exactly how. Yeah, you know, but he's just stuck with them. John, I, I think I think I understood that. I think I'm a little like Dell that way. I think that I'm kind of a loudmouth, blabbermouth too, and so not everybody wants to be in a room with me either. <laughs> Maybe sometimes my husband, but he's too nice. He wouldn't say anything. <laughs> so I felt for Dell at that moment. <laughs> also, too, Dell also mistakenly takes Neil's credit card during the night. Their concentra- uh, concentrating personalities lead to an argument, but they bury the, the hatchet as they sleep. Their cash in it is stolen by, by a burglar in their room. Yeah, and they don't even know it until later the next day. Where are they? They're in the oh, they're in the diner at the hotel or near yeah. a hotel. They don't show exactly where it is. But they're in the diner, and that's when I think they realize that they've been robbed of their cash. And Neil had seven hundred dollars, and Dell had what two hundred something. I mean, they had a lot of money. Yeah, they had one had two hundred, the other one had seven hundred. Well, then I like how Dale looks at him and goes, "So, what, what did you have in your wallet?" He's like, "I had a gas card and I have a visa." What about you? And what what did uh, Dale say that he had in his? I forgot. Um, I can't rem I can't remember. I he, uh, the money and oh oh a credit card for some big and tall store that. Yeah. like six six stores in the eastern i don't remember what he said exactly right. but because, he's like well, that's not, not gonna, gonna do us, do us good. That. <laughs> <laughs> but at the, so after that all goes down at the st louis airport neil attempts to rent a car but is missing when he gets to the lot after a long and uh perilous walk back to the terminal neil furiously attempts to hire a ta- uh, taxi to chicago and so the remember the woman at the ticket counter was also in ferris bueller's day off she played the yep. secretary um yep. and so i thought oh yeah, I love that that he put that he kind of did some cameos from his other movies. I think that was cool, and Same and here. she was so funny because she's like, "Can I can I say what she said on, yeah, on yeah. your show?" Okay. Because I was going to go with the whole entire rant, and then you can just go in with that part. Of yeah, it. you okay. You say what he said. I'll say what she said. Okay, sounds good. So Neil comes over there. He goes, "Look, I want a fucking car where it fucking belongs." at the fucking parking lot. You guys promised me a fucking car that doesn't even give me keys to a fucking car that's not fucking there. This is all your fucking fault. So where the fuck is the fucking car to my fucking key that won't fucking go? And so, and then you go on ahead and you'd say... Oh, she said, so then she says, do you have your your um contract or whatever she called it? And he said, no. I threw it out. I threw it out. And she goes, oh. And he's like, what? And she says, what? you're fucked. <laughs> That was the funniest line in the movie, I think. Just look at because he's like losing his shit on her, and she's just like, "You're fucked." This goes to to show you how good these employees are, where they don't backlash at them like other employees do nowadays. He just calmly says "fuck," and that's it. And I, I I bust out laughing. You get fired for that today. Right. Back then, you could say whatever you wanted, I guess. <laughs> right? It wouldn't even matter. It's like, look, we understand this person's being a douchebag, but, you know, just calm it down a little. That that whole rant probably turned that into a rated R movie. <laughs> yes, because 
The rules of a rated R movie is you have to, ha- you can't have more than one F bomb. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it becomes rated R. Yeah. So, all those F bombs, yeah. Yeah. Because that, <laughs> there wasn't really anything else that would have made it rated R anyway. I mean, there was nothing graphic or, no. you know, violent or anything else. It was pretty, it was a pretty tame film by, by most standards, even back then. Exactly. And then, but insults the, he insults the dispatch of the uh, taxi cab. Because wouldn't it just be easier to get a car? If I tried getting a car, don't you go on ahead and get me a fucking ride like you're supposed to. <laughs> Next thing you know, he gets decked. Oh my god, that was so funny. And then uh and then he almost gets run over by a car. And guess who's driving the car, John? What a coincidence. It's still once it's again. New best friend. And um and he ends up taking a ride with him because he has no effing choice. <laughs> no. But another thing that's funny, though, too, is he goes, look, will you please get him out of the road? I'll move my car. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're going to have to move him out of the road. He goes, my pleasure. He takes him by the balls and drags him out of the way. And I like how Dale looks at um, Neil. And he goes, man, no one could no one could walk away from that. You did pretty good holding your holding your own with that. I know what I'm talking about. That was so funny. I forgot about that. I forgot when that happened. He's like, I've never, uh, I think it was, yeah, John Candy's character is like, I've never seen anyone cup a man by the balls like that before. And then he, he has his hot voice. <laughs> Like he was sucking on helium. It was so funny. It was. <laughs> I forgot about it. And when it when I saw that, it hit me and I just laughed and laughed. But yeah, uh, as they drive, they resume arguing and Dale nearly gets them killed by driving the, in the wrong direction on a freeway. <laughs> You're on the wrong side oh, of the road. There's a car that comes up next to him. And they're like, so they must be, the car must be on, it's on the other side of like the, what do you call that? In the Interstate. Middle? Yeah, yeah, but there's like yeah. that. Um, uh, the, div- the I know what you're talking about. The like divider in the middle, yeah. So they're right. driving on the right side and, and Neil and Della are driving on the wrong side and they're screaming at him, you're driving on the wrong side of the road and they're just like, ah, look at those weirdos yelling at us until they look ahead and see a truck coming right at them. Right. I also like how John Candy go, how Neil looks at Neil. Just, they're saying that we're driving on the wrong side of the road. Just what? They're drinking. Clearly we're on the right side of the road. We're going the right way. And then, he goes, and then he's over there beeping the horn at these people who's trying to warn them. And it's like, yeah, same to you, buddy. Because so do the little chugging um signal to make it look like that he's drinking whenever he's thinking that those people are drinking when they're not drinking. It was just funny on uh, um, the way they, that that thing got played out. And then you have the 18 uh, whaler trucks coming head on at them. And I like how it cuts into this scene of Neil and Deal where they both turn into like a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so there's so many funny moments this movie is so clever in so many ways you know like the driving down the wrong side of the road might be a trope now but i think that that was like first done in this movie like it hadn't really been done before or not in that way and i think that's what made it so funny and just their reactions and it's just so funny they must it have really laughed is. a lot filming they must have laughed so much filming that movie i'd love to see outtakes same here i want to see outtakes of the freeway and then also too in the hotel room and stuff too. oh yeah they had to have been laughing especially like i wonder how many t- takes it took for them to be like you want to take a shower no oh no <laughs> i meant you first <laughs> i don't know it's just funny till the it end really of the movie. is <laughs> <laughs> 
while they compose themselves by the side of the road. Neil crassly dis- discarded cigarettes sets fire to the car's interior. Neil intentionally glowed, thinking that Deal is liable for the damage until Deal reveals that he found Neil's credit card in his wallet and used it uh, to rent the car. Right. But then you also have the, the walk around, you know, the, the Ray Charles bit that they did, that Deal does before he has, catches it on fire, though. Yeah. And then, uh, so so this car is like, there's nothing left of this car. But, the, oh, but then is this is the scene where Steve Martin is like, well, give me my credit card back or whatever he says. And Dell is like, I can't. I put it back in your wallet, which was in the car when it started on fire, I think, right? At some point, right. they lose, well, I think it's in that fire, yeah, right? Because remember, he's about to go to sleep because number one, Dale broke the seat to begin with because he was like, I got to get comfortable in this car. <laughs> so he winds up taking the uh, the switch and trying to get comfortable and he breaks the seat. And then he's, then after that, Neil tries to get comfortable in the seat and everything. And he's got it broken. It's going all over the place. And then you have him. He goes, look, I'm going to keep my wallet in the glove compartment. This will remind me before we get out of the car on our next stop that I have it in the glove compartment. That's right. I, just, I knew it was in the car. I just couldn't. Yeah, I forgot about, even though I just watched the movie yesterday, I forgot that part. <laughs> <laughs> And I took notes. <laughs> you know what, though? I'm actually happy that I got a chance to see the scene by scene. So that way I can appreciate this a lot more. You know, well, Especially because then you can see the whole sequence of events instead of like, you know, because there's a lot of funny scenes. And then if you see them like out of order, you don't really know because it kind of does show like progression of their friendship as well, which isn't a friendship at this point because Neil wants to kill him <laughs> for right? starting the car on fire. But the credit cards destroyed in the fire. Neil barters his expense which uh Vince watched the motel room for himself deal is broke and attempts to sleep in the roofless car oh, yeah. eventually feels sympathy for deal and invites him in from the cold snowy night it, when he's sitting in that car it's so funny because there's really nothing left of this car I, like it's possible to think that it could even start it wouldn't in real life obviously no. and and here's this like very large bulk of a man wearing a big blue like parka sitting in this car where there's literally not I mean the car itself like is like burned down like it's like he's like burnt really high in it yes yes it's like just kind of it's like lower to the ground so he's like kind of sitting almost on top like you know when you put Barbie in the in the convertible that's kind of how he looked he was like way up he looked like one of those track cars (laughs) exactly you could not miss him sitting in this car and he's just like trying to sleep and then Steve Martin oh, oh and then Steve Martin was trying to call his wife and th- that was a thing that, that you you could do is put locks so it was a rotary phone and you could actually put a lock on it to, so you couldn't dial a phone out and that's what this phone had probably because people were making calls because it was kind of a seedy motel. Right. I like also too where basically when he pulls into this hotel as well his fingers are stuck to the steering wheel because of the burnt plastic <laughs> and then you should still see the smoke coming off of it oh yeah and then he goes into the hotel and he goes look I, I need a room for the night okay what do you have he goes well um i got 17 dollars gives him that and he goes well the room is 42 dollars well i have this watch he gives him his watch that's probably a rolex or something yeah and he goes is this enough to get the room he goes yeah that's enough to get the room and because all his credit cards are burnt up because he was actually giving him burnt up credit card yes 
And and based on on what his house looks like in Chicago, I'm guessing it was a very expensive watch. Yeah, that house looks really expensive. Oh like yeah, thirty forty thousand dollars now. Oh, oh yeah. I like in today's today in Chicago in a suburb that house probably would be. I I would say that would go between one and two mil, if not more. It was a very mm-hmm. big house. It was a beautiful house. I should have looked it up. Normally I look up stuff like that, but I I wasn't thinking. But I'm think it was in in the Chicago suburbs. It didn't look like a house from California that they just filmed. No. which because and you know john you you know we've talked about this he tried to be as at least if they even if they didn't film it in illinois he tried in chicago he tried to use a lot of outdoor sets that were actually from or a lot, a lot shots that were from the chicago area to kind of make it more realistic exactly and then yeah. um so after all this happens too uh neil go, so basically what winds up happening is he feels bad that deals outside and because he was actually going to give him a casio watch as collateral yeah. plus like, he's like putting it on his <laughs> And like, look at my fancy watch. And the guy's like, I'm not good out of here. So then you have uh, Neil inviting Dale in. And then that's where the bonding starts. Happen. Yes. This is the point where I think where they start to become, even though I think Neil's still pretty mad about the car and like losing right. his, his credit cards. I think they kind of start to become friends, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it was, it was in the car where, where Dell was kind of talking to himself and like talking to his wife. And he's kind of like, well, I screwed up and I really like spending time with this person and I messed up this friendship and and whatever and it was kind of a nice little moment and so we know that Adele liked Neil even though Neil was kind of a jerk you know he kind of was a prickly maybe he wasn't so much fun to hang out with you know no, he was just a miserable guy who was just trying to get home to his wife after having this boring business meeting and now he's stuck in a predicament with this one person that's just making his life a living hell right and at even this though point, he's not meaning to yeah so when the movie started they said two days before Christmas so it must have been Tuesday and at this point oh, Probably went, yeah. Thanks. What I say? Christmas. I, you know, okay, what? but I, it does. I'll be straight up with you, Beth. I thought this was a Christmas movie because oh, of the fact no. that it takes place in winter, but it's actually Thanksgiving because I found myself thinking this was a Christmas movie all this time. Then I'm oh, like, when yeah. I googled it, I'm like, wait, this is a Thanksgiving Day movie? I never knew that. Okay. No, I, I actually just misspoke, and it's funny because earlier I was texting my my podcast partner, my friend Case, and I'm like, oh, Justin and I are going to watch Barbie in a horror movie, and I said on 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 Halloween, and I meant on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving because obviously Halloween's behind us. <laughs> so I just keep getting all my holidays messed up. <laughs> That's all good. Hey I, just, hey, I thought tomorrow was actually Thanksgiving. My boss had to correct me. Oops. <laughs> right. You're like, oh, hey. I have tomorrow off. No, John, you do not. <laughs> right? like, you know what, though? I told my boss, so you know what? Tomorrow's going to be a good day. We're only going to be working half a day because I think tomorrow's not Thanksgiving. <laughs> all day. Right. <laughs> But uh, anyways, they shared Dale's uh, collection of miniature liquor bottles and laughed about the events of the past few days. The pair resumed driving at Chicago the next morning, but their hardly damaged car is impounded by the police. As an unroadworthy, they finally make it to Chicago two days late in the back of the refrigerator. But before that, we have this other thing, this great scene between Neil and Dale, where Dale is basically telling Neil Ed how much he loves his wife. Yes, yes. And um, how much he misses her and um they, he, he kind of just tells her talks about about her in much more detail and um now i was just thinking about that cop because he just was like oh, yeah. are you sure you should be driving that car <laughs> <laughs> 
it's like, are you sure this is actually safe to drive? Because, yes, I'm, I, I, it's it's safe to drive. And if we if you impound this right now, my friend here is not going to make it home in time for Thanksgiving. And so they impounded it anyways. I have no sympathy for him. They get um they get in the back of that refrigerated truck. Oh, that was funny. He's like, oh no, we can't we can't drive up front. He gets nervous about about strangers. The funny thing about this is Dale shows up with an eighteen wheeler truck. Because you see, I told you I was going to get you home in time for, time for Thanksgiving, even though it was two days late. See, I have a plan. Because, but the only thing is, the driver don't like anybody sitting up front with him. So we're going to have to send them back. And it's a refrigerated truck. It's so funny. They're just kind of sitting there on like milk cartons or something or whatever it is that's right. on the ground there. They're pretty low to the ground. Right. And this is not their first time being frozen together either, because there was that one, one thing in Wichita where they're traveling in this little truck. And you had that one scene being played out where they're both freezing the back of the truck and the dog is frozen solid as well in the back of the truck which was hilarious yeah, we, we forgot to talk about that scene that was funny where he was gonna get to the was the we forgot to talk about the whole train scene the train station yeah. so the, the son of who was it somebody who worked for the the train line sent his son to go take them to get the train and this guy shows up in a beat up old pickup truck and spits he kind of had a real cousin eddie vibe from vacation and yeah. he's telling he's like they're like gonna put the trunk in the back of the pickup and he's like let, let my make let my wife do it and out comes this tiny little woman and he's like she's fine you know she gave birth to all of our kids with you know she didn't even scream and it was just it was kind of weird but then so steve martin was trying to pick up a glove because his hands were cold and that's when that dog came out and it was like ah like Cujo. Cujo. <laughs> <laughs> it was so anyway they ended up on the train but the train ended up just had some kind of engine malfunction or something so right, they had was, a, i call him fire is that what it, that's right he, that's right he was like yeah did they say fire and then they had a he's like and then the conductor dude is like just walk a mile that way <laughs> okay <laughs> No, but at this point, we kind of see like John Candy's like kind of looks at him because he's pulling this heavy trunk. And, you know, Steve Martin is kind of like trying to avoid looking at him. And then John Candy gets it. He's like, forget it. And he's pulling it. And then John um, Neil comes up and picks up the end of the, end of the trunk and they carry it together. And I like that moment because it shows the bond and friendship between the two of them even more now that it's been yeah, strengthened. Right. So it's, well, I definitely like that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, then they finally get it uh, two days late in the back of the refrigerator. We mentioned that. Then the two finally part way at Chicago's L stage. Train home. Neil recalls cryptic comments Dale made during the journey and realizes that he may be alone for the holidays, struck by compassion. Neil quickly returns to the station where he finds Dale sitting alone. Neil reveals that he does not have, have a home and that oft-mentioned loving wife did eight years earlier. Neil brings Dale to the home for Thanksgiving dinner with his family. Yeah, I... So at the very end, like he's on the on the L going back to going to his house, and he, all of a sudden he starts thinking. And one of the things that Dell said earlier in the movie was, "I haven't been home in years." And Neil's like, "What do you mean?" And he's like, he was kind of blowing it off as a figure of speech because he travels so much. He's a traveling salesman, so he's on the road all the time. But we find out at the end when he goes back that um, I forgot what his wife's name was, and he kept saying it throughout the movie, but she had died. And so Neil ended up inviting Dell to his house for Thanksgiving. So at the very end of the movie, 
they kind of both walk up to the house and he comes in and he, and Neil and Neil introduces him as this is my friend and he's there for Thanksgiving. And it's really kind of a lovely scene at this point because um, Neil's wife is kind of on the stairs coming down and, you know, she says, nice to meet you, Mr. Griffith. I think it was Griffith. And he says, nice to meet you, Mrs. Page. And like, I think she has an understanding at this point, even though she hasn't heard the whole story that they have created a bond. Because there is at one point where he calls home and he's like, oh, I was in this hotel room with with this guy. And she's like, you got a hotel room with a stranger? Like, you know, she's not in this movie that much. So, um, but it's a really nice scene. And then, you know, it's kind of a happy ending because the kids are happy to see their dad and they made it for Thanksgiving. And I'm not going to lie, I cried. I got emotional when you had that switch with uh, Neil going back to him. He's like, well, shit. Yeah. And, he, and, he, and he could have it all. Could wind up being two days late, have dinner with his family, and not even worry about him. No. But then goes back to get him. And I mean it. I almost cried man, man tears on this scene and the other scene when he's telling him about how he feels about his wife. Yeah. Those two scenes alone shows me the layers that you have with John Candy. Where yes. if he needs to be serious and have that heart moment, moment and everything there. He could really handle anything emotionally. And he really knew how to get people to feel for his character. Characters. I think he was pretty brilliant at that, especially like at the scene where he's just like sitting there in the train station, like doing nothing. He's literally just sitting there. And, and then Neil comes in and he's like, um, you know, like, what are you doing here? And, and, and Del is like, well, my wife died eight years ago. And it was just, it was so sad. Just a, such a sad movie, especially because it was so funny throughout the rest of the movie. And then all of a sudden you find this out and I'm, and I'm not going to lie. I had no idea that was coming the first time I saw that movie. None whatsoever. Like you never would have guessed that if you were, maybe if you were paying attention really, really closely, but I don't think, I think that was a big shocker for for anybody who's seen the movie and didn't really know how it ended. Right. That was a big shocker and a big box. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. And I like the fact that they change it at the very end of it, where you have a little small serious moment to settle down from all the comedy. And just ha- take in one little small gasp of air just to, for this moment and let it be for that. I, I really like it. And it was really a huge departure from a John Hughes film. Most of them end in the same kind of comedic way they begin or they have some kind of funny ending. This one, it wasn't funny. It was very serious. But it, I can't think of another movie he did that really ended like that, where you're just like so touched and it was so beautiful and really such great writing. I mean, the whole film was great writing, but the way that he ended this one, I think was just so, so it's unique perfect. and special. And, it, and there just aren't a lot of movies like that. I, I actually think that this would be a drama. I would call this a dramedy, really. I mean, it was so funny, but there's a lot of really touching moments throughout. Most definitely. I can definitely see it being dramedy and maybe a little bit of dark comedy within that dramedy though too. Yeah. And well, the other the other thing I think it, that it did too was it's really held up over the, the test of time. There really aren't any scenes where you're like super cringy or like, oh. you know, that that might have been funny for the eighties, but clearly didn't make you know, aren't isn't funny today, which John Hughes did a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of things where you look back and you're like, oh, maybe maybe that was a little insensitive even back then. But, um, you know, I love John Hughes. So but this film did not do any of that. It, it, it just was a film full of heart. Right. And you also characters are relatable. It's not forced dialogue. No, nope. you also have everybody knows a Neil. Everybody knows a deal. Right. 
too. Exactly. So everybody has, so that's what I like about it. And I just um, imagined that he went there every year for Thanksgiving after that. That's how I that movie ended. That. I mean, I feel like that's probably what really did happen, whether he was invited or not. <laughs> right. He would just show up randomly right. once a year. But I could see Steve, I could just see Neil just being pissed off because he's there once a year. And then once everything gets settled down, they reminisce about this one time of them being together every single time they get. They probably do that. Like, and, and like tell the kids that story every year until they're like sick. Of, I mean, you could almost think about it. Think about it. You could write a whole new movie and just have like that part of it be like them talking about how they met in this movie. And, you know, well, even Neil said it though best inside the hotel room. He goes, I feel like I'm in summer camp all over again. Right. That's, that was a great, that was a great line. There were a lot of really good lines in this movie as well that I thought. And I wrote one down and of course I don't have it in front of me, but um, there was one really, really good one towards the beginning. And I'm like, oh, that's so good. I have to write it down. And then I didn't. I mean, I did. It's just in a different room. So and um, I'm, attached, a... I'm attached to my computer so I can't get up. <laughs> gotcha. Now, there is a post credit scene. An executive from Neil's business meeting is still in the conference trying to decide which to choose. The partially eaten Thanksgiving dinner on the table. So that's a little John Hughes thing that he always does. Yeah. And in like a uh, little small post credit stuff. Yeah. He was one of the first people to do some of that because National Lampoon Vacation was a big post-credit kind of um that that one had like a lot of post-credit stuff that was funny and i think there was more john candy at the end of that one too because as you recall john candy was the um the greeter yeah the security guard at wally world so i do think that there was another scene like where they went on more roller coasters or something like that after post-credits something like that oh i did do some research on this God, I'm looking through my notes, but okay. Planes, trains, and automobiles was filmed in 85 days, mostly in Batifa, New York, and South Daytona. Uh, Daytona, New York. A scene that takes place in St. Louis was filmed at Lambert International Airport. There was also a scene in uh, Braidwood, Illinois, at the CD Sun Motel. Rewrites uh, Hughes did not uh, did during filming made the amount of footage he shot much larger than what the original screenplay needed. Hmm. Well, John um, John Hughes was pretty famous for writing scripts pretty quickly. Um, so that doesn't really surprise me that it was filmed. Well, actually, 85 days seems like a lot, doesn't it? Maybe for a film? It does. But don't forget, though. Yeah, go ahead. During those days, you can film something and it'll take X amount of time to film. Now you can do a film in like four, five, six months. and that's Yeah, that's true. That's true. Especially because they did film all over the country. Does it say in your research where that house was? No, I'm curious. I'll have, to look, I'll have to look that up. That house is gorgeous. But it does uh, tell me that the DVD was released in November 21st, 2000. Yeah, it took uh, a long time. And it brought back the digital 5.1 surround sound. And then Blu-rays, of course, was later on in 2011 of September. Yeah, I just, it's, it's, so it was like 15 years before the DVD came out, which is really unusual i'm wondering i wonder what what the, the holdup for that was because it did Probably play the on, sound yeah you think so that's kind of what i was thinking but i wonder if because it was on like hbo and stuff so once it so back then i think we've talked about this the movie would come out and then it would be about a year before the dvd or the the vcr tape would come out and they were like a hundred dollars they were really really expensive but they would play on like hbo and stuff like that and then at some point before that DVD came out, it must have been playing on like TBS and stuff even before 2000. So it was. I, I remember those days. Yeah. But I don't think that I wouldn't be surprised that during those days, though, in the 90s, it was like on a VHS tape. 
because never the, nothing was digitalized at that time. Not yet. So therefore, yeah. therefore, the sound quality is not as good as what it would be in like a 5.1 surround sound on a DVD set. So they they had to like re re or digitize it or something to make the sound better. You think? Yeah, I think they did the sound better and was able to release it on a DVD disc, okay. make it stand out. Okay. Then a couple of years later, in 2011, they went on ahead and re-released it again on Blu-ray. On the Blu-ray, yeah. The Blu-ray always came after the DVD release, though, usually, didn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now everything, then, everything's different today. We just go on streaming it. Me, I collect my physical media. <laughs> well, Something you know like what? That. I have to tell you, I do, too. I, I mean, especially because, you know, we're the Made for TV Movie Club podcast. Most of what we watch are on DVD. A lot of it isn't streaming or it'll stream for a really short period of time and then be gone for a long period of time. So some of the movies we do. In fact, I just um, just got one last week that I had been looking for for a really long time and finally found it. So. I, I, I hear you. I get you. But uh, yeah, that's going to be it as far as our uh, plane, trains, and automobiles. I hope everybody enjoys this review. Um, but yeah, Beth, do you have anything coming out as far as your made for movie TV podcast or anything? We have our Christmas specials coming out in December. We reviewed, oh, John, we reviewed the weirdest, weirdest animated short called The Adventures of Candy Claws. And it was so weird. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my life. So if you want to hear about it, you got to listen to the show. It's coming out in probably December 8th or something like that. We drop every other, we drop on Fridays twice a month. So if it was like five weeks, we only do two of them. So that's pretty much what we've got going on. That's everything that we have coming out as far as this month goes. But stick around because next month we're going to be doing our month of, of Christmas movies. So with that being said, guys, thank you again, Beth, for joining me for this. It's always a pleasure to have you on. To thank be you, John. I always love coming on. I love having you on. I'm glad that we built this friendship i can't believe it's almost what two years now i think it's three, three? Is it, wow. no it, maybe it is two maybe it is two yeah because we started in 2021 so it would have been it would have been june or july of 2021 so two and a half two and a half years that's that's really awesome for us to be able to build um build this like and our first our first review was a John Hughes film. It was 16 Candles. It was. But you guys can get on audio and you can also watch on video. Give me or Beth some love by giving us a five-star re review on our podcast. And always until next time, guys. Have a great and safe night. And bye-bye. This podcast is a production of Unfiltered Studios. If you would like to know more about joining Unfiltered Studios, please visit our website at unfpod.com for more information. Movie lovers, unite!